Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brody Lancaster. I'm Kate Jinks. This week we're delving into comfort watching and the idea of like having something that you can always turn to. And trying to unpack the enduring appeal of the period drama. I've got mine right now. <laughs> oh my God, we're not synced up. <laughs> Jinxie, you've watched a show that I have been thinking about watching but I really need you to tell me if I should what did you think of Shining Girls okay I'm only two and a half eps in Mm -hmm. maybe maybe I finished the third one I can't quite remember it was late when I was watching it it's it's fine okay it's a new show starring Elizabeth Moss based on this like hit crime bestseller it's also a time travel show yeah I realized when I saw the trailer um that it was another ex-partner of Fred Armisen's making a movie about, like, you know, jumping in and out of the past and the future. Yeah. So Elizabeth Moss plays this aggrieved character. She's, you know... As had per. A... I mean, it's not a stretch, is it? She's, <laughs> she's had a lot of trouble. She's dealing a lot with, like, PTSD from mm-hmm. something that happened to her by a time traveler basically it's like what if time travelers weren't all nice like they didn't want to just go back in time to steal an almanac or like hit on their mum. what if they were murderers (laughs) essentially is this is feeling like a little jessica jonesy did you ever watch that i did not the christian the christian ritter netflix i sure did yeah I'd forgotten about that. I didn't, but I also did. <laughs> no, I did watch that. Yeah, where she was like the PTSD superhero whose ex-partner had the superpower of being able to make anyone do what he wanted. Yeah. It was so fucking good. So dark. Yeah, it was really dark, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked that show. Mm. Similar? I, I mean, this is like less noirish, I guess, less cartoony in that way or superhero-y. Uh-huh. It's um, it's pretty grisly show. Yeah, it's a real. There's a, a lot of uh, like maimed women photographs. There is a lot of bloodshed. Again, Elizabeth Moss has a type. Yeah, it is very that, and there are just so many like close-ups on her face again, like in Handmaid's Tale. Mm. I'm really not sure about I didn't read the book. Mm. I didn't read the book because when it came out, I was like, this sounds a little too grisly for what I want to yeah. get into right now. Okay. I thought it was only a three-part series, and then I realized, no, they just only released the first three episodes on Apple TV. But do you know who the murderer is? This is not a spoiler. It's Jamie like, Oliver. No, Jamie Oliver. Billy Elliot. Yeah, Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. 
And he's he's a good little murderer. He's a great actor from when he was a kid. And now he's a fully creepy man. Yeah, wow. I realise that speaking of reading books, Elizabeth Moss and I have clearly read the same J.D. Salinger novel, Dear Esme with Love and Squalor, because I like made a pun off that, which was the title of my blog I made when I was like 18 years old. And she made Love and Squalor the name of her production company. Wow. Well, we've all had our Salinger year, haven't we? Yeah. Mine was like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, all the same. But yeah, this show, look, I'm not, I will keep going with it, I guess. They're long episodes. Yeah. Okay. The soundtrack is very good. Uh, there are a lot of kind of time jumpy things happening with it. But yeah, the music in it is very good. And the, there's a guy in it who's like a journalist trying to find the truth. Uh-huh. Uh, he looks like a really rumpled Mark Ruffalo, if you're into that kind of thing. I Okay, now you've convinced me. And he was in that show Narcos, which I haven't watched. Me neither. Okay, I was about to say I'm going to cross this off my list because my list of shows to watch is getting very long. But the rumpled Mark Ruffalo is a selling point. Yeah, it's not, it's not a high priority, I don't think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What else have you been up to? Well, speaking of TV shows, I'm very excited about Girls 5 Ever returning this week. I love that show. Oh, I really didn't love the first season. Oh, really? I could not get enough. I think it kind of washed over me. Maybe I was just not in the right headspace for it. I think I was, like, right place, right time with that show. Mm -hmm. It's... Like, I still I quote it a lot. All the ingredients are there for me. Like, I'll, I'll, I will follow Paula Pell wherever she will lead. I think we need to visit the second season okay. together. All right. Well, I, I, particularly if you didn't really love the first one. We'll and do I it was properly. gaga for it. Uh-huh. So I'm excited about that. Um, what else? I have been socialising. <laughs> you have been too, huh? Yeah. We spent almost our whole weekend together accidentally. Yeah. Yeah, like album launches, art shows, Yamcha. That's my weekend too. Yeah, we were at all the same things. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't actually happen that often. No, but we were just bumping into each other around town and like thousands of other people. Yeah, it it had a bit of a calm before the storm feeling (laughs) for me. I was supposed to go into the office today and I was like, just to be safe. I'm not going to because I was around a lot of people on the weekend. Yeah, it was the first time since like all the lockdown started that I have had multiple things on where I've actually just run into people Mm. that I know that I wouldn't normally see. And it was really nice. Yeah, I've had more. I was the same in that post lockdown first weekend with lots of things on that I didn't cancel. Like, I feel like I've just lost all of my socializing stamina. I'm like a classic introvert at the best of times, but this is truly the worst of times Mm. where if there is any excuse that can be made to keep me inside my apartment, I will take it. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. And I am feeling like I am pushing it a little bit because I am about to be (laughs) head overseas and I am, you know, starting to get a little nervous about that factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can make it work. Yeah. I've got like, one day left that I could test positive and still go. I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> don't but... jinx yourself, but you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. We'll be fine. Everyone's doing Euro trips again. I I feel like I'm back to being my pre-2020 self where from like May to August, every time I open Instagram, my eternal thought is just like, how the fuck did you afford this to yeah. everyone? Yep. 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 That was my plan for myself in 2020. Like when I turned 30 in January, 2020, I think I tweeted something like, I want this year to be like, <laughs> I want everyone to look at me and be like, doesn't this girl have a job? That's, that was the energy I wanted to put into the world. I wanted to be on holiday so often that yeah. I made people annoyed. <laughs> um, and it hasn't happened and it's not going to happen for a long time for me. Yeah, I kind of wanted to celebrate because I turned 40 in the lockdowns and I had wanted to go to the UK and spend my time at a little estate shaped like a pineapple, like a building shaped like a pineapple. I didn't get to do it, but one day, one day. Big dream. Mm, mm. Big pineapple. You'll get there. What yeah. else have you been up to? Uh, that's kind of it. I have been uh, watching a show on your recommendation when Kate left uh, – my house after we recorded last week's episode of the podcast, she heard me kind of to myself say, what should I watch tonight? As I was closing the door and she stuck her head in and said, Julia. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been my week really. It's fun, right? Yeah. It's been really fun. I've also been reading a book that we were both sent from Well Read, this book called Cleopatra and Frankenstein, which I'm 
I had very mixed feelings about in the first chapter, but as I've stuck with it, I've really kind of come to look forward to each chapter before I go to bed. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll get in there. Yeah. I haven't made up my mind just yet, but I'm, I'm sticking with it mm. after a bit of a reading rut in April. Yeah. I've had a few people get in touch with me after our last podcast where I said I didn't know who Ann Tyler was. Horrified that I didn't know who Ann Tyler was. And well, that's all very fair. And uh, I think I'm going to go through some of her <laughs> long list of books. It is fair, but also there's only so many things that any of us can consume it's true it's not always the same stuff it is not but it's nice to share these things yeah i just watched the sopranos last year and many people were horrified but i got around to it eventually yeah i get it i mean there are lots of films i still haven't seen yeah Hmm. maybe we'll do an episode about them one day i think we should i know the ones you're about to mention (laughs) that was a bad final noise from me (laughs) (laughs) i liked it Mm mm-hmm Okay, I've got a TV question for you, BL. Do I watch Bridgerton? I tried the first season. I didn't like it. I've heard the second season is better. Should I? I haven't watched any of Bridgerton. <laughs> uh-huh. People are probably going to send me DMs about this, but um, there was n- – I don't know when it came out. Was it like 2020? There was kind of nothing about it that – that sucked me in, not even Kim Kardashian saying that it was her favorite show. Um, I don't know. The period, the period thing draws me in occasionally. I love a little women. I love a, (laughs) that's how you like your women. I like my women little (laughs) and dying (laughs) or writing. Mm-hmm. The, the two the two options. No, I nothing really drew me in about Bridgerton. I love um, is it Nicola Coughlin who is in Dairy Girls? Yeah, she was really good in Bridgerton. I haven't seen Dairy Girls. I yeah, that's that, kind but... of like end of my list. I mean, people might be disappointed hearing this, but um, I'm speaking my truth and I want to be seen and, and understood. Yeah, no, the 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 period drama I guess is one of my like my blind spots. Mm. I think and it's becoming a bigger and bigger one because it kind of feels like that's everything that is on TV or at the movies sometimes. Is there something you like that is a period drama or like a TV series? Like what about the BBC Pride and Predge? Only last year I watched and really enjoyed the Kira Knightley and Tom from Succession version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. But I didn't even know there was a series. Is it? It's not recent. No, it was from 1995 and it starred Jennifer Ely, who I love, uh-huh. and Colin Firth. Oh, oh, that's where he became the Mr. Darcy. I see. I mean, he's my Mr. Darcy from a different movie franchise. Um, I mean, I loved The Favourite a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, Fantastic. I I think I like a period drama when they're kind of edgy. Yeah, when they're horny and, like, fingering each other. Yeah. Um, I loved... To each their own. Yeah. (laughs) I loved Marie Antoinette, obviously. Derek Uh, Jarman's Jubilee. Just to keep it one for the jarman heads. Oh, my God. I'm going to write that down because I need to get into my my jam. Um, it just hasn't been my jam lately, you know. Um, <laughs> what about you? What's your relationship to periods? Mine are quite heavy and unfortunate. Uh, look, there are a lot of lesbian period dramas. And if you're a lesbian who is, like, begging for scraps like me all the time um, when it comes to film and television that's what that's a that's a big go-to you know Mm. I really loved and hated the British TV adaptation of Tipping the Velvet it's so daggy like fully fully daggy adaptation of Sarah Waters famous novel but it's also really really fun (laughs) um I love Bride's Head Revisited Mm -hmm. uh I loved that original TV series uh but every time I think about it I just think of Evil and War is a Man. <laughs> you know that line from Lost in Translation? Yes. What else? I don't know. There are so many, like, if you're talking the gay ones, obviously Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ammonite was not very good, but that sex scene was like a different movie sex scene. It was like, what is happening between Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan? It's worth watching for that scene alone. Is the, um, is the Lizzie Borden with Chloe Sevigny and Kristen Stewart lesbian? Yes, and I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, that's on my list at the moment after our Chloe Sevigny kind of tangent we went on last yeah, episode. That feels like a wormhole movie, you know, yeah. like I could get lost in that and I'm too scared to dive in. You describing the like kind of like 
begging for lesbian scraps in period dramas <laughs> is it kind of made me realize something like the Bridgerton of it all. My first thought is like these shows are for like horny virgins <laughs> because they're so lusty and they're in these periods where they're set in these times when people weren't just like saying how they felt and doing what they wanted with one another, which really corresponds to a kind of like subversive and secret kind of queer love story. Oh, totally. And maybe that's why they're the really good ones that we really connect to. Yeah, maybe that's a good theory. I mean, it's all very bodice ripping, you know, and like it's yeah, it's no surprise that that is such a cliche of like romantic fiction mm. as well. The bodice, the bodice ripping. <laughs> I was really disappointed in one TV show that looked so good. It's like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm always ragging on that show, but that's fine. <laughs> but it's our reference point for everything. <laughs> it's pretty much because it's one of those things that looks great on paper and then the execution just all wrong. The Gilded Age. Oh yeah, with Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, with Cynthia Nixon and it had Carrie Coon, who I love. Love. And Christine Baranski, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also had oh, the Gummer, the Gummer Girl. Mamie? No, the other one. Um, um, uh, Grace? Louisa. Okay. Louisa I didn't Jacobson know there was another Gummer. one. <laughs> Maybe she's just changed her name. So okay. Meryl Streep's daughter. Uh-huh. She appears quite concave on the show. It's a, huh. She's very odd to, to watch. Hmm. Uh, and... Tessa Farmiga, Vera's. Tessa Farmiga, love mm. her. She doesn't work in a period. Uh, you know, it's not, she's yeah. not looking very 1882. Um, the Gilded Age was created by Julian Fellows, who, you know, of Downton Abbey uh, fame. Uh-huh. Another show I never truly got into. I lost my place with Downton at some point. Um, and when I've tried to figure out where it was and how to go back, the episode descriptions all sound the same. <laughs> it's like yeah. Master Crawley gets a letter and then like Cousin Matthew is worried. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the show. And the Gilded Age is, you know, this kind of battle of class in like, mm-hmm. like, like 1882 Manhattan mm. when the boom is happening. Carrie Coon plays this like nouveau riche character and Christine Baranski is like old money but it's just no good. There's mm. no drama. It's like pretty much the most dramatic thing is a dog gets quotation marks stolen and is then returned. Like I, <laughs> I like I felt like I mean there was also like death and suicide yeah. and stuff in there, but that was my takeaway. I was mm. like, oh, that poor dog. Mm. You know that that description of because I was trying to think what is the like New York Gilded Age thing that my brain is clicking with some kind of satisfaction and it's the age of innocence. Martin oh, Scorsese's ooh, age so of innocence. Good. So good. So good. I did read this article knowing that we were going to be chatting about this. Cosmo wrote this piece, I think like last year or maybe in 2020 about like, why do we care about this stuff so much? Like, why does anyone care about Bridgerton? And they talked to this lecturer who specializes in researching period dramas, Dr. Kate Byrne, who basically has a theory that, They are some kind of like balm when we're in like troubled times that looking back on like when times were like pretty and good. But, you know, Downton Abbey premiered just after the 2008 financial crisis and obviously Bridgerton is coming out in 2020. She kind of says like these shows wouldn't have had as many viewers had they come out in more stable times. But I I kind of disagree. Like I don't know that we're – a, I don't think that the times they depict were particularly great Mm-mm. or like, you know, optimistic, but also I think that people just have watched this stuff forever and will continue to watch it forever. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. Have you seen Gentleman Jack? No, what's that? No, it's like um, it's based on like the diaries of Anne Lister and it's another lesbian situation. Oh. This new season has just come out, but it has all these like Fleabaggy moments. It's very like turn and face the camera now, wink, wink. And uh-huh. I cannot, I can't deal with it. Yeah. What mm. is this? The new season of the Kardashians? <laughs> Not enough drone shots for that, unfortunately. <laughs> so Gilded Age, give it a miss. Yeah, it's just, it's not good. I think everyone I've heard who has watched it has given the same kind of review. There's one gay character in it. <laughs> there's who, one gay. <laughs> there's, there's one gay. Um, there's one person of color and there's one gay essentially. Mm. Yeah. So there's this gay guy in it and he dresses like a steampunk vampire. And that's probably one of the best things about the show. Oh, that's the best thing. He looks ridiculous. He's like very like Cirque du Soleil or something, you know? <laughs> I think by the time this episode comes out, 
everyone listening will know for sure if this is true, but when we're recording this, it's before the Met Gala. Um, but the theme of the Met Gala this year is gilded glamour. Oh, and I feel right. I feel very nervous about it because I feel like it's gonna be a lot of costumey, maybe steampunky, just like ruffles and top hats and feathers. I like I'm no one no one does it right anymore. Like there are very few people who do the theme right, but I I feel like this one is gonna be particularly kind of ball gowny. Well, I'm just now hoping that someone goes as a steampunk vampire. <laughs> that would be great. Come on, Frank Ocean. We're <laughs> counting on you. BL, have you found that your kind of viewing habits have changed over the last couple of years, like during the pandemic? And are you looking for more kind of comfort watches? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been similar in the things that I seek out to read, like I'm going for novels over nonfiction and on TV I've been going for films I've seen before and things like watching every single episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills over the course of like the first four months of the pandemic. That um, you'd already seen, right? No. Oh, that was so when the, you started. Yeah, I started. Oh, what a gift. Such a gift. Everyone was talking about Tiger King and I was like, what's Taylor Armstrong up to in 2009? <laughs> a lot of sad stuff, a lot turns of sad out. Stuff. And, um, oh, God, what's her name? Adrian Maloof pointing a finger in her face. One of the best things that's ever happened on reality Stomping TV. the Maloof hoof. <laughs> when she says, you are having a nervous breakdown. Just like the worst thing to say to a person having an yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of shows that I kind of turn to for like medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember like very specific memories of coming home from like a particularly hard day at work and knowing exactly which episode of Gilmore Girls I wanted to watch. Um, the one where Luke and Lorelai broke up and Rory takes Logan's limo to come home to look after him. Why that one? I think there's just it's when when Lorelai wallows, mm. um, like Rory has to go out and get supplies so that her mum can wallow, um, and like brings the TV into her bedroom so that she doesn't have to move. It was maybe it was what I wanted someone to do for me. <laughs> After Trump got elected, I came home and kind of went to a very specific point in watching Parks and Recreation, and which I've never seen. Oh, really? Yeah, never done it. It's a fun time. Okay. It was a long time ago now, but I think it's I think it holds up. Um, but I've got to do Party Down first. If you, we're talking Adam Scott. You do. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely do. Also, better show. <laughs> um, but I kept watching Parks and Rec up until there was a plot line where Leslie Note, played by Amy Poehler, is up in an election against a, like, rich, um, unqualified male candidate played by Paul Rudd. So it got a little less medicinal at that point and Mm. just became kind of a reflection of what was happening in the world. I think those are like very popular ways that people soothe themselves with TV is like Mm. a series that you can just play in the background, um, like ambient noise, but films are a whole, whole different ball game, like knowing where something's going to begin and end in like a tight couple of hours and then you can go to bed feeling secure. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like with a comfort film, I'm looking for a vibe, Mm. you know. I'm not Mm -hmm. looking for a plot detail. Mm. Like I just want the mood. Most of the films I like are purely (laughs) vibe, I would say. Purely vibes. Yeah, well, because you know exactly what you're going to get, which is is so satisfying. Mm. I kind of find a similar thing with – this is very off track maybe, but – My football team has won three premierships in the last five years. And after every one, a book comes out that about like the year that they've had and what the games were like. And I remember the first time I read one, I was reading the interviews with the players from the middle of the year going, they don't know that they're going to win the season. Like when, when they're giving these interviews. And I think a similar thing happens when I watch like even a scary movie being like, oh no, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I, especially if you've seen it before. It's yes, like, yes. It's okay, you survive. Yeah. You're the final girl. Don't worry, Sydney Prescott. No one's ever allowed to kill you ever. Spoiler alert <laughs> for people who have not seen Scream. You should have. <laughs> One to five. <laughs> it's funny that you turn to some scary things for comfort, isn't mm, it? Mm. I think it's totally what you just said of 
knowing that it will be it's like there is a problem but it's okay yeah and like when it ends I know how I'm gonna feel I know I'm gonna have like my heartbeat goes up in the right times and the right ways and I know that I'm gonna feel good at the end yeah it's like going it's like a theme park essentially yeah yeah you used the word ambient before and I read this excellent excellent article in the New Yorker Emily and there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Paris and the rise of ambient TV. And the author, Carl Chaker, likens the emergence of these kind of B-roll shows, essentially, mm. <laughs> um, to a Rem Koolhaas essay, The Generic City, and also Brian Eno's 1978 album, uh, well, the liner notes at least, for Music for Airports. Mm. And it was such a great read of, like, these very disparate things. And it wasn't, like, shitting on Emily in Paris or saying it was a terrible show. I mean, it look, it's a, it is a bad show. Look, it's a bad show. But I've seen I, all the episodes. I, and I really loved my time in Paris with Emily. That's actually why I'm going to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to look for a beret. No, it's like I thought the second season was just trash at that point. Like the first season was quite fun. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it really deconstructs this idea of why we are drawn to these shows and looks at how slow TV shows, like the concept of slow shows, like, a train trap, like, you know, a camera, a GoPro on a train Mm. essentially and how they became extremely popular at the beginning of the pandemic because people were quite into watching. It's not just like a travelogue but this thing you could have in the background. It was quite comforting. Yes. It was like noise and, you know. It was like keeps you company. Exactly. Like the cosy corner. Carol, I put them on for Carol sometimes, just like someone set up a camera near a bird bath. Or a bird feeder. Oh, that's sweet. And the squirrels and birds come and play in it. I think my sister puts it on for my niece as well. Oh, that's pretty cute. (laughs) But, yeah, it was such a great um, piece, and I had never read anything about that kind of comfort watching before in that way. It was great. Mm. We'll link to it in our show notes. Mm. Um, I was reading something that uh, a writer called Sophie Gilbert published in The Atlantic, and it came out in late March 2020, so it was very timely, and it was all about the psychology of comfort watching. And she said essentially what I said about the period drama stuff relates here too, where she said bleak times call for comfort television, familiar, pacifying, predictable. I don't want active engagement or intricate plotting or even a particularly well-crafted performance. Yeah. Yeah, and that's – it. Although I do want those things. I just don't want them really in like new stuff. I want to know what I'm going to get. I want to know when I'm going to get it. It's almost like you're diagnosing how you want to feel at the end of it. And you're like just choosing the thing that's going to get you there. Yeah, totally. When my mum was really ill a few years ago, she died in 2018. And I was always driving out to, you know, take her to appointments and see her and, and all those sorts of things and spend time with her. I turned to the music of my teenage years, Mm. like instantly. I would listen to one Wise Blood album on repeat. That was like the only new thing I'd listen to. And I would just be listening to like a lot of Huggy Bear, anything from Kill Rock Stars, like a lot of Bikini Kill and Frumpies, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And also That Dog. I was listening to this one That Dog album on repeat that I didn't even realise I just knew every single word to. Mm. And I was really looking for... I think things that had comforted me as a 
you know, a slightly stroppy teenager <laughs> um, with big ideas. Mm. Yeah, it's like not even things that I would listen to with my mum or anything like that or like her favourites, but it mm. was very, yeah, this is what got me through my tough teenage years mm. and that's what I returned to. Yeah, well, being around my parents always makes me feel like a teenager again. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Do that's you... a whole genre of television yeah. and films. <laughs> Have you gone back to any of that music since then like the wise what album in particular yeah i have i listened to that one album uh it was front row seat to earth i think that one mm-hmm. uh, i listen to that still all the time listening like a little less to <laughs> my huggy bear <laughs> seven inches but um yeah it just it really kind of got me through mm-hmm. but then during the pandemic like the beginning of it i stopped listening to albums and started listening to radio all the time because because mm-hmm. there were presenters who I knew were speaking in real time and I found that extremely comforting. Yeah. That there was someone picking music at that moment. Like not even to like hear alerts of, you know, safety issues or whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> I almost actively did not want that. No, yeah. But I just really liked the idea that someone was doing that for me, right? That moment. Yeah. It was you, really nice. You were being the audience that they were imagining. Yeah. What about <laughs> movie-wise? What are your kind of go-tos? Because Mo- we talked about But I'm a Cheerleader last week, and that is a major go-to for both of us. Yes, and Detroit Rock City for me. I feel like mine are very classic, like they have the energy of a – a cashmere throw, you know, a sleepless in Seattle, a Bridget Jones diary. As previously mentioned, we love Mark Darcy. Now and then I really love, it has like a similar energy to a film like Practical Magic, I think, where in the most kind of like forward part of my memory, it's like really fun and like girls having fun together. But then under, it's quite a dark movie. I don't think I've ever told you this, but Years ago, I sublet your apartment. You know this part where I sublet your apartment. <laughs> I know you stayed in my house. <laughs> I did not, like, steal your keys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when we were visiting Melbourne for the Comedy Festival and you were in America. Mm-hmm. And I found your DVD of Practical Magic. And I hadn't seen it in a while and it's a great movie. And I put it on once. I watched it all the way through. And then I just didn't get up and, ch- like, turn it off or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had the remote. And... You know, like DVD plays, like old DVDs, if it just stays on the screen long enough, it plays the movie again. Yeah. I watched it three times in a row. Oh, wow. And it was a great night in. That's a really nice time. That's also a real crying pressure point movie for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted a cathartic cry, it's the broom scene where like it's when the woman brings the dust buster. I'm a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had like a, this is the most cliched movie that makes you cry, but a couple of years ago, maybe it was like deep first year of lockdowns. I just found myself kind of in between work um, tasks going on YouTube and looking up specific clips from the notebook. And then the algorithm kept serving me more and more until I kind of realized I had like watched the whole movie in just like disparate YouTube clips all day. And so then I sat down and watched it that night and it truly was like a, kind of cry i've never seen it (laughs) it's it really gets me it's really fucking sad but also really nice it's a cliche at this point to be like the notebook made me cry um is that a time travel movie no but they they (laughs) jump between decades Um, or like you follow people between decades you're thinking of the time traveler's wife also starring (laughs) rachel mcadams (laughs) they're making a remake oh they don't need to they sure don't I wrote in my notes, despite being catfished, I love you've got mail. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can read all about how Brody was catfished in her excellent book. No way. Okay, fine. <laughs> Where I talk about you've got mail, which I just need to mention. Remember when the A Star Is Born came out? Um, Dave Chappelle did some interview where he talked about how it was like the best film experience of his career, or like the only film he's proud of making. I was like, "Fuck you! You were in You've Got Mail." You need to show some respect. And that's the only thing to be mad at Dave Chappelle about. (laughs) That's your one issue. (laughs) That's the one issue I I have. Um, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, classic. Truly top to bottom can quote every line. Mm -hmm. Um, 20th Century Women is a more recent favorite. Again, I'm watching it for the emotional release that comes, especially towards the end. And I have this kind of comedy very bizarro comedy favorite this movie called spring breakdown it stars parker posey amy poehler and rachel dratch 
as three best friends who are nerds in college when they met. And as adults, they have the opportunity to kind of go to spring break as grownups and they're still nerds. And Sophie Monk is in it. Um, Seth Meyers plays Rachel Dratch's like secretly, but not so secretly closeted fiance. Will Arnett plays like a guy who turns Amy Poehler down for a date. Missy Pyle is in it. It's just such a fun movie. And the only feeling I have gotten similar to the one that I get watching that was when I watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I loved that movie so much. And I recommended it to so many people who hated it. It is, it is one of those movies where I feel like if someone had immediate nostalgia and affection for Barb and Star, it's like a, it's a secret language. It's like that, that this is my, this is my sensibility on screen in these two women. I feel the same way. I yeah. quote it all the time. It is such a funny, stupid. I might watch movie. it tonight. I think you should. <laughs> yeah. I think you should. It's one of those ones where as soon as it finishes, I'm like, when's my next opportunity to watch this movie? <laughs> Can I just say, there's a scene in Barb and Star that I think is so funny. It just makes me laugh so much. It's like on this, on the level of Spy with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, another the incredible film. Scene. Oh my god! But I can't remember who it is in Barb. Like if it's Barb or Star, but she's talking about whether she should wear like toe shoes, essentially. <laughs> And she doesn't like the idea of her toes being separated <laughs> from each other. And then she's like, I don't know. I think they like it. <laughs> I think they like it. I think they like it. Yeah. yeah. Jamie Dornan, I had a lot of respect for him after watching that movie. Same. Like, I never would have thought. I never saw Fifty Shades of Grey, but I can't imagine he was like a lol character. <laughs> no, he was really good. And Reba. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. I want to watch Reba. that movie right now. What about you, Jinxie? What are your, your go-tos? I have some major go-tos. Like, as a kid, I was very obsessed with two movies, Brigadoon, the musical, and, of course, and this Christmas witch movie that I think I based my entire persona around um, <laughs> called Bellbook and Candle, starring Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart and okay. Hermione Gingold. And it's set in this, like, Greenwich Village beatnik Witch club, essentially. Wow. Oh, it's just beautiful. Anyway, now I would watch those two movies like every single week and my parents hated both of them by Uh the end of it. But more recently, uh, I love love Todd Haynes' Carol. I always sound like such a pathetic lesbian on this show. (laughs) It's like I'm bringing my dyke drama to this pod. You sound like people who love Bridgerton. (laughs) No, don't. Don't tell me that. No, Carol is incredible. I just rewatched it this past Christmas. Yes, it is a good Christmas movie. It is the best Christmas movie. Yeah, I just, I love to be enveloped in that movie. And the book I have read so many times, it's like a comfort read as well. The Patricia Highsmith book, um, The Price of Salt. So I watched that quite a bit. I turned to that quite a bit. I Know Where I'm Going, a 1945 film by um, Powell and Pressburger. It's about this woman, like a spirited young woman who uh, thinks she knows where she's going and she heads from Manchester (laughs) to the Hebrides in Scotland to, like, find her love and uh, a storm a bruise and she can't quite get there. Oh. And I, I really love it. It's I've just never a, heard of I Know Where I'm Going. It's just a lovely film and I love the Hebrides and it's just, um, yeah, good, 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 good. Times Square is a big one. Times Square is one of those movies that really got me through my teen years. Mm-hmm. It's from 1980. It's directed by Alan Moyle and it stars Trini Alvarado and Robin Johnson as these two teenage girls who meet in a mental institution have been both been hospitalized one of them is kind of from the wrong side of the tracks and has like the raspy natasha leon voice to prove it great and the other one is a very like sensitive soul who writes poetry and her father is like a big wig who is running for mayor in uh, in new york and they bust out of the institution and live in like the wharves and make all their own clothes and start a band called the Sleaze Sisters. The soundtrack is 
phenom. Wow. And uh, Tim Curry plays like the host of like a cool radio station mm-hmm. that the Sleaze Sisters uh, take over. It sounds like Beaches meets Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous States. It kind of is. <laughs> it really is. Two iconic movies. Oh, it's just so good. Um, I love that film so much. I've seen it way too many times. What else? Oh, classic. When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. I could watch that any time of the day like yes. not even for comfort it's just like what do i want to watch when i'm in Sally? it will scratch any itch yeah baby fish mouth all the way <laughs> that was the email address of uh, an, a dear old friend of mine <laughs> i always thought that was so funny it's like baby fish mouth at hotmail.com um and waiting for guffman like the funniest film of all time i reckon mm-hmm. the christopher guest movie parker posey and that is God damn, so good. It's been so long since I've watched Christopher. I went through a real Christopher Guest phase in my late teens, and I think I kind of went a little too hard. But it's really, I'm overdue for a revisit. I really like how, besides the few kind of romantic or funny ones in here, a lot of the common thread running through these are like gangs of girls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Janine Garofalo. Like, yeah. a big, big one for me is Reality Bites. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a perfect film. A perfect film. Mm. Um, we did ask our uh, Instagram followers what some of their comfort watches are, and they really kind of reflected some of these. Um, Sophie said Julian Julia or You've Got Mail, which is big Nora Ephron energy. And Nancy Myers, I think, fits this bill as well. Someone whose username is Iced Vovo said It's Complicated, which reminded me that the film The Intern is maybe one of mine. I think the intern is complicated. <laughs> it is quite complicated. Mm-hmm. But Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro, who knew what a great on-screen couple they would make? Georgia said Midnight in Paris and Notting Hill. And some other faves that came up were Practical Magic, Clueless, Strictly Ballroom, Desperately Seeking Susan, and Top Gun, which must be watched on a DVD purchased at JB Hi-Fi in 2008. I like the specificity of that. Yeah, I, I feel appreciate that. way about that. Practical Magic must be played on DVD <laughs> at Brody's house that she no longer lives in. Actually should not be on streaming. I asked a few friends at a dinner party last night, brilliant people, some brilliant minds, I will say, um, and the answers came back that were quite really interesting and quite varied in the same way that we kind of go for our comfort watches. There was Robert Altman's Three Women, Ocean's Eleven, Notting Hill came up quite a few times, Mm -hmm. The Great Escape, Dirty Dancing, When Harry Met Sally also came up quite a few times, and Gattaca. And when questioned on Gattaca, my friend said, I don't know why, (laughs) which I love. And also Bridges of Madison County, which I realized I've never seen. Yeah, I don't think I have. I just had a moment of like Road to Rwanda. Or what was that movie where Meryl Streep was like a prisoner of war? Oh, God, yeah. That's not Bridges of Madison County. Road to Perdition? No, no that's it a was one. Hotel Rwanda. Oh, Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. A woman was set one. on fire. Well, not Bridges of Madison no. County. <laughs> I asked um, previous guest Zoe Coombsma. It was very hard to get in touch with her. <laughs> and she said the truth about cats and dogs, like, immediately. Oh, wow. And Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred is great. Yeah. I know someone who grew up in the house that they filmed Drop Dead Fred in. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Jinxie, you're about to get on a very long plane trip. And I was shocked to find out that the idea of watching films on that on that plane trip is uh is not high on your list of um No. No. I don't really like watching films on planes purely because I've seen most of them already uh-huh. or that most of my job is watching films. Mm-hmm. So it's not that kind of pleasant viewing there's no escape (laughs) no but i that said i really like watching documentaries on Uh planes one great one that i saw recently was nuclear family by rye russell young that is on my list yeah it's like a series about her being raised by lesbian parents and the donor dad who tries to take custody of her and it was such a beautifully made film lots of archival footage and interviews like really difficult interviews with her mother's in it. She's such Mm. an interesting filmmaker. She's a great filmmaker. Yeah, there's a great uh, interview with her in Vulture talking about what she had to leave out of the film as well, which we'll link to. Um, So I loved that. I loved watching Mummy Dead and Dearest on a... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I had the best time. Oh, that is a wild ride. (laughs) And I knew a few 
people who were like catching the same kind of flight at the time and I was like, you must watch this. It's perfect. And like for the dinner service. Yeah. At what point in the flight are you scheduling <laughs> mummy dead and dearest? Any point. I'm actually kind of into this because I get um, decision fatigue when I'm on a long flight and I will start and not finish many, many films, but just narrowing it down to documentaries would be really satisfying. I think. Yeah. I used to watch Carol all the time on a plane. There was a point when it was just always on every flight I was taking. Yeah. And if it was like a long haul flight, I would listen to it without the sound, without the vision <laughs> uh, to fall asleep too, because I found it so comforting. We have mm. a mutual friend mm-hmm. who every time she flew to LA, she would always watch Black Swan. I asked her about it yesterday and uh, shout out Romy. And she just kind of went, yeah, I just, it's such a good movie. <laughs> It's like Gattaca. Yeah. Yeah. I came home and started watching Black Swan for the first time, I think, since it came out. Would it have been better on a plane? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe I want that (laughs) tiny little screen like 10 centimeters in front of my head. (laughs) What about you? I look, my experience of like consuming things on planes is um, a little complicated or my most recent experience of it was like a bit silly. I took Valium for the first time before flying to America and I'd like sprung for that seat on the international flight that doesn't have a seat in front of it Mm -hmm. so that I could have extra leg room. There was nobody sitting next to me. I was on an aisle, no one sitting next to me. Great. Space in front. Ideal. But the Valium hit and I was like, I'm going to watch a movie. And I also the first time I'd ever taken Valium. I should mention that too. And I leaned to the seat next to me because I didn't have a TV in front of me. And so I just started watching my movie on the seat back next to me. And the movie I decided to watch was Suffragette. Oh. Which is a bad movie. Oh, it was terrible. And I was watching it at like a 70 degree angle. (laughs) Just my like head veering over onto the seat next to me, which no one's sitting in. I need to remind you of that and I just felt like tears falling out of my face on that angle despite the fact that the movie had zero emotional effect on me I did not care about it whatsoever and then at some point nearing the end of the film which maybe what like two hours a flight attendant just came over and opened up my the armrest of my seat and pulled out my like little individual television, um, which sat out on like an arm in front of me. So I'd been watching it at a sideways angle for literally no reason. (laughs) But anyway, it has been a while since I've taken a long flight, Um, like five years, maybe. Yeah. Well, I watched the Ray Russell Young one on my way to Berlin earlier this Mm. year. And that was great because I was like, I'm going to go and watch movies like five films a day for yes. X amount of, you know, for 10 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really want to watch that. So I, I'm a big reader on planes. Yeah. Because you can't really access your phone. I never connect to the Wi-Fi even if you can because mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is my do not disturb time. Yeah. How often do you have 12 hours un, unreachable? Fully. Um, yeah, I love to read a book about like the place that you're going to, like not a mm. – guidebook essentially but like a book set in that time so I read um other people's clothes okay when I was on my way to Berlin which was not really recommended by a friend but it was like this is about Berlin the first movie the first (laughs) book and movie I thought of was Berlin Syndrome which was that very fucking distressing Mm, no I wasn't no that's not a good film to watch on (laughs) on your way there on your way there on your way home maybe maybe once you've escaped so yeah I'm like teeing up maybe some Mm. London slash Paris books to read oh good except I'm gonna listen to Heidi World that podcast you recommended last week I cannot wait that'll get you at least you know, a quarter of the way there. I read this piece once on a flight. It was just a domestic flight actually, but I was in the air for what, like three or four hours. And, um, it has stuck with me ever since. And I reread it today. I had an emotional response to it, but I was not full blown sobbing. Like I was when I was kind of impacted by like the stress of travel and turbulence and all of those other things that make you cry on planes. I was also sitting in the middle seat when I read this. So apologies to whoever was sitting to my left and right going to Brisbane like five years ago. (laughs) But um, in 2015, I was trying to remember where I was the month that this came out. It was like May 2015. I think I was flying 
every week, maybe twice a week. I had to go home for a family event. I had to go to Sydney to like deliver a talk. I had to come like, it was just such a stressful month in my life. I think I took like seven or eight flights and I took a copy of the Pitchfork review in print, which doesn't exist anymore to read this interview that Jessica Hopper did with Bjork and it was called The Invisible Woman. And it was tied to the release of her album, uh, Volnukura. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, which was the album that kind of documented the end of her marriage to Matthew Barney and Jessica Hopper also has children. And in it, they talk a lot about motherhood and kind of women as the, the, the glue that holds everybody together, family or not. And how like watching Mary Poppins made Bjork cry. They talk about like protecting children and how that becomes like their only priority, but also the making of the work is like so present. Like she goes to such great lengths to say, this is what I did to produce this album. Do not ever basically give anyone else credit for doing this, which was something that she had experienced a lot. She cries in it a lot. And from memory at the time, I think I remember Jessica Hopper saying that they did a lot of this interview in bed together. And so there was something just so intimate about it. And yeah, there's a part where I think it was the part where I really truly broke down midair when Bjork is talking about like this Buddhist expression that she came to really appreciate that was about like your goal is not to like remove your pain it's to learn to live with it and like do things with it and because of it and that's what like healing is and I just fucking <laughs> lost my mind on a flight and this is just a way of me talking about this Bjork interview I haven't read I must read oh I reread it today I'm gonna obviously the link will be in the show notes along with Everything else that we have just mentioned. This is a very recommendation heavy episode. I like it. It truly is. Yeah. It's like, get your highlighters out. It's time for also also's. This is where we offer even more recommendations from things we've been enjoying over the last couple of weeks. Jinxie, what's your first one? My first one is a small, like independent Melbourne based clothing label called HB Archive. They have this major focus on like ethical making they make their pieces based around like the idea of a capsule wardrobe which i really love and i was looking at one jacket of theirs it was called the chore jacket Mm. earlier today online and i noticed that there was a full breakdown of costs like the full transparency of the costs of making that garment Mm -hmm. like not just materials or like freight or whatever but actual like hours of labor making it and studio overheads fit mm. like into it. And so you can really see, cause often you're looking at those, you know, smaller ethical labels and you're like, it's quite expensive, mm. but it was really nice to see exactly how, the, where the money was going. And I don't know, I'm trying very hard to not buy clothes from like major, like retailers mm-hmm. and companies that make a lot of stuff that mm. is then burnt. They're trying to tell you like what ethical really means. Yeah. yeah. And so um, like, it's a really privileged thing to be able to buy from those labels, I guess, but you know, you buy them and you have them for a really long time. They're kind of classic pieces and yeah. being in contact with like a number of those small labels, most of them based in Melbourne and like if, if you've got like some funny little question, there's just someone there to answer you. And it's really nice. If yeah. you need a repair, they can do it. There's a person on the other end. I also have a wear also. It's an, also an item that I've just been looking at and haven't bought yet. But um, Rachel Antonoff has designed this print. It, I, th- I believe it first was released last year. It's called Tony's Toile. And I didn't realize that Toile was like that kind of wallpapery illustrative kind of print it reminds me of like china pattern like blue china patterns we'll see a lot at the met gala we sure will like a yeah like a repeated illustrated motif but these illustrations are of scenes and characters from the sopranos so it's kind of a baby pink background with red line work and it's a if you look closely it's Tony Soprano in his robe at the bottom of the driveway collecting the paper or it's, um, you know, the guy sitting outside the pork store or it's Artie leaning over the table at dinner with people probably wishing that he would go away and leave them alone. Really cute. She released a bag last year that I was dying to buy and sold out before I could. So hopefully this is a sign that the whole collection is going to be re-released soon. Cool. Yeah. I need to see. I've got to listen also. It's Total Reboot with Alexi Toliopoulos and Cameron James. I, full disclosure, I appear on the latest episode. It's really good. <laughs> and not just because they talk about 
this podcast. <laughs> well, I just, I love Alexi and Cameron. They're both comedians and podcasters and filmmakers. They're just great, great people. And Alexi is an old pal and we've done a lot of like film critic TV stuff together mm-hmm. and he's just an absolute delight. And so they have this really great long running podcast where they kind of mostly compare and contrast uh, films that have been rebooted. I was on an episode where we talked about Suspiria uh, like a number of years ago when the Luca Guadagnino came out and I talked about the original but they're also doing new release movie reviews now and um, we talked about Celine Sharma's Petite Maman which I adored which is in cinemas in Australia now or it's just it's just about to be released so I highly recommend this podcast and also it's a, it's a two for the price of one situation because I think one of my favorite podcasts of all time, they also made, and it was for the ABC and it had two seasons and the first one was called Finding Drago and the second one's Finding Desperado. It's so fun. It feels kind of in the spirit because I texted Kate recently and said, which of Alexi's podcasts should I listen to? And she said Finding Drago. So I started and it really is in the the spirit of um, a podcast I recommended a few episodes ago, Dead Eyes, um, where it's kind of like a little a little filmy pop culture mystery that like someone funny is trying to solve. Yeah. It's perfect for a road trip. Mm. I have a watch also. It's a YouTube channel called Imamu Room, which is the name of the woman who uh, makes videos there. She is a Japanese woman living in Canada with her husband and their little child, their little girl. And it is just a, really beautiful, simple, quiet watch, very ambient TV, except you're going to want to watch every single moment of it because it's so cute. It started out as this series called Husbentos, where Imamu would get up early in the morning and make all the components for her husband's bento box. And then you kind of track when lockdowns and things like that are happening because she is then making like lunch for them to eat at home together. And I've kind of weirdly have like watched her daughter grow up in the background of these videos where now she walks into frame and takes food off the counter and talks about it. Whereas in the past, she would just be kind of babbling in the background. The food looks amazing. I always come away knowing a little bit more about cooking and Japanese food and the way that to make these kind of authentic recipes, sometimes in Western places, you find sneaky little alternatives like she has to living in Canada. It's so, so sweet. Cool. I've got a read also that's also like a pagan also, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, really in my wheelhouse today. Yeah, very jinxy. It's Weird Walk, a journal of wanderings and wonderings from the British Isles. And they've got five issues out and I was just rearranging some books the other day and found my collection of their zines and it's just great it's like this small journal that is about like stone circles and like folk (laughs) offerings recipes made out of crazy herbs it's very that if if any of that sounds good to you you will go nuts for weird walk well I love a kooky dookie zine (laughs) my final one is uh, recipe, I guess, cook also. It is the chili crisp recipe from the website Serious Eats. Serious Eats takes a very kind of scientific approach to their food. So I go there for things like the best way to make crispy mashed potato or crispy potatoes or like the best way to cook a steak. Like they've, they've tried every method, they've thought about every possibility and they've given you the way to do it. And this is my go-to recipe for having chili oil in my fridge and also to give people as gifts or offerings. (laughs) And, uh, you might've noticed a bunch of stuff on my counter jinxy when you got here because I'm making it tonight. (gasps) I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to try it with a bunch of different types of chili as the base. One's going to have Aleppo pepper. One's going to have like Gochugaru, one's going to have, you know, I'm going to try a few different types. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of See Also. 
I feel like we don't need to do an episode for ages. There is so much in here that is <laughs> go, a C also. Go and do your homework and then <laughs> report back. <laughs> homework is also maybe leaving us a review if you like us. You can also follow us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. Please tell your friends. You can tag us or not, but just you know, share the episode if you liked it. We love to get the word out. We're also going to be sporadically appearing in your feed over the next couple of weeks while I am away. Yeah, we're not quite full-time professional podcasters yet to the point where we can be broadcasting from, I don't know, the Cannes Film Festival, which is where Kate's going to be for the next little while. But you will be hearing from us very soon. In one way or another. (laughs) That sounded ominous. Whether you like it or not. (laughs) Thank you as always to Samuel Hodge for our beautiful artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. See you next time. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.